Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. This story comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. I invite us to hear these ancient words in ways made new. Thanks be to God. As we come to our sermon, um, the question I have for you you're able to talk to somebody near you, might need you need to get up and move a little bit, is simply the question. When you think about you, are you a doer, like to do things? Are you more comfortably being a beer? No right or wrong. You got 45 seconds. What hits you? Are you a doer or beer? Okay, that's it. We'll come back to that conversation later. Just out of curiosity, if you uh, said you were more of a doer than a beer, doers, put up your hands. Doers, those who are more comfortable saying they're a beer. Okay, the doers and the beers gather. Let us pray. We give thanks for Hamish's song calling us home, our lifelong journey home. May you come to us and us to ourselves in the hearing of this word this day. Amen. I have to confess I don't like this Bible story. I don't like it one bit, and I've avoided it for 30 years. (laughs) And here it is because there it is in a window. Now, I was thinking about why is it that I don't like this text, and mostly it's because I can't remember who's who. And there's only two people, really, in the story with Jesus, but they confuse me to no end. And Andrea read this very brief story that comes right after the Good Samaritan story about someone who does something. We have Jesus walking along, comes to a town. He's invited to stay at Martha's house. And Martha welcomes him in and says, this is my sister Mary. Martha goes off to the kitchen. She begins to cook uh, and create a meal. Presumably, they didn't have the one-room concept like we have now. 
Because there she is in the background and all you hear is the banging of the pots and the sighing and the crashing and banging. And finally, Martha bursts into the room and says to Jesus, hey, don't you care? Tell my sister to get in here and help me. And Jesus very calmly, I assume, and quietly says, no, no, no. Mary's chosen the right path and it won't be taken from her. End of story. I don't know. There's something about this story that just drives me crazy. It's because I think I'm a doer. In our worship planning this week, we played around with this story. It was five to one who was a doer. The doers won five to one. Clearly, the doers were much more in number. And there's something about Mary that makes me feel like she's a goody-goody two-shoes, and I just don't like her one bit. But then afterwards, William and I were sitting around after we were talking about this story and saying, what if it was a different, what if the genders were different in this story? And what if Martha was indeed banging away in the pots and Mark was out there sipping a cold one with Jesus, talking about the flames, etc., and other very deep, meaningful things? Would we see this story different if there were genders involved, switched or changed around? What is it about this story of Martha, who's a doer, and Mary, who's a beer? I don't know, but it just drives me crazy. I've avoided forever, but here I am at it. And I think the thing that drives me crazy is I'm a doer. I just am a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Do you know I get up at 5.25 in the morning? I go downstairs, I make my breakfast, I'm on my bike at, five, at 6.25, I ride eight kilometers, I play an hour in tennis, I ride eight kilometers back, I walk my dog for 45 minutes, all before nine o'clock. I'm a doer. And I, you think I ride my bike because I like riding? No, I'm a doer. I'm impatient as all get out. I got to keep moving. I got to keep doing. There's something about doing that I just love. And there's something crazy about this Mary who sit there passively that drives me crazy. Now this window, I'm going to take a look at it. So you got to do your yoga, Rachel, and turn your neck around here. Bottom left corner. I didn't spend three hours looking at this. I didn't even spend really more than 30 seconds looking at it. But one of the things I noticed about this window, this Martha window, is... She's the only one with one foot. Everybody else gets painted two feet. And I'm thinking she's got one foot in and one foot out. And I'm thinking it's there for a reason. This window is a teaching window. They all have a title. This is a teaching window. So I'm trying to say, what did Hillhurst United Church want to teach us about Martha? And what does this story have to teach us this day? And so I did a little bit of research on this, and I realized that this Hillhurst United Church has often been a doer. Do you know that in 1967, this church was the place that housed and birthed Meals on Wheels? In 1967, it moved from the YMCA to here for four years to be the Meals on Wheels. It was the place of the birthplace of serving people meals for those who need them. And it gets better than that. Do you know that during this stampede, the women, presumably some men, some Marys and some Marthas came to the stampede. And they would go to the stampede and they'd open a booth and they would sell pies and cakes and coffee and they would burn the mortgage with the gift of all of these pies bought at the stampede. A doing. And then if you just roll your mind back a little bit, this church has always been involved in things like in from the cold, 
or outreach, or during COVID, the community covered, or last week, as you heard from Andrea, the clothing drive. We wanna do, do, do. We are kinda, I wanna say, a Martha church, whether you like it or not. But the text in this story is Jesus sides with Mary. I wish Jesus said Mary has done the right thing for her, but he doesn't. I wish he said she's doing the right thing for her, but no, she is doing the right thing. And there's something that just drives me crazy. I wish, I don't know about you, but if you hear some of the biblical stories, the ones that drive you the craziest are probably the ones for you. And so for 30 years I've avoided and here it is for me. Because in my aging time and in my experience of the wisdom tradition of theology and scripture, we've moved to a time where we are embracing what's called either or way of looking. That we are, we are looking at a time where we're not either or, we are a non-dual. We're trying to hold together life and death, dark and light, joy and sorrow together. They're both and. And this text is not a both and text and it drives me crazy. But we're also living in a time when people live in an either or kind of time. That's why people can say to themselves, I'm spiritual but not religious. Now, I need to say something about that. I think the most important thing is spiritual and religious. Spirituality on its own is breath and wind and life. And it is so beautiful and lovely and nourishing of the soul. But it can also be very egocentric and narcissistic if we stay in that one place. So it too is an either or. But if you look at the word religion, it has at its root word ligure, which means ligament, to connect. You are right now, whether you like it or not, in a religious experience of song and story and symbol of gather. You are like a ligament bound together in this place. Now, religion on its own could be boring and dogmatic and judgment, judgmental and bad, just like you see in the world how religion can go wrong. But good religion binds us together in a spiritual experience. So I will say I'm spiritual and religious, and I believe we need both. That still doesn't get me around the fact that Jesus says Mary is right. One of the things that I dislike about Jesus the most is he reflects a mirror right in my face. So often when we look in our world, we are stuck right now, are we not, in deep polarization between this way only, that way only. Do we rarely stand in the and place of holding that duality together? I saw beautifully this week in a picture I want to show you from the Globe and Mail this past week. It was Monday. A picture which will make its way up there. This is, is this picture. I don't even know this story, but some environmental activists entered a museum in London with cans of soup, and they threw it on the Van Gogh painting of the sunflowers. The group is called Just Stop Oil, and they're about halting fossil fuels and licensing production. They threw cans of soup on the painting, and they said this, what is worth more, art or life? They threw, them, threw the paint and glued themselves to the wall. And in this article in Globe, it's, it says this, is this painting worth more than food, worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about protecting of a painting or protecting the, the planet and the people where the painting comes from? Marsha Letterman in the article in the Globe says, I'm going with the planet and people, but this is not an either or situation. Don't you love it? Right there in the Globe and Mail, non-dual thinking. And this was wrong to use this as a target. 
The curator of the museum notes that the painting has, has dying or nearly dead sunflowers, which is really a perfect symbol for the climate movement. Now the group did make sure that it was covered so it wouldn't be destroyed forever. But they wanted to get people talking, or did they want to get people to shut up? She concludes in her article, here's what I know, hopelessness isn't going to get us anywhere, nor is indiscriminate vandalism. We can and should be fueled by anger at the climate situation, but we need to choose a way forward productively. A way forward productively. This story is a Mary and Martha story in a painting. Do something, be something. In some ways, they are held together in this incident, and we are held to think, is it either or or both and? Did Jesus get it right or Jesus get it wrong? Clearly, he chooses Mary over Martha. Now, Richard Rohr, who has often spoken from this pulpit, is all about non-dual, both-and thinking. And he says this, the work of justice starts with prayer. The work of justice starts with prayer. He writes, the first commitment is to engage with the world from a place of prayer and not ideology. This gives you a felt sense of the interconnectedness of all of life in God and prevents us from othering others. And so the center from which he works is called the Center for Action and Contemplation. It is both and. Non-dual thinking is at the heart of the contemplative lens. It helps us see the gift and the beauty that everything belongs rather than the divisiveness of one another over the other. And we see this clearly in our church. When I'm out speaking, as I was in Kamloops last week, I say the heart and grounding of this church is in the contemplative movement that's been here for at least 15 years, that right now centers at 7 a.m. in the morning, 7 to 7.30, 25 people click on for 30 minutes of prayer and silence and prayer. And it is that grounding that is the ground of our church. And it begins the day as our church. We all might not be part of it, but I trust it is at the center and the grounding of being present to who we are and whose we are and how we will be the hands, feet, and voice of Christ in the world. I say that whether I like it or not, I'll nod with Jesus on this one. Because I believe often we react in the world rather than respond in the world. And that if our doing is indeed grounded with intention and presence and purpose, we won't burn out. We won't get angry in a, not, in a violent way, but in a righteous anger to change this world. And so Jesus centering on Mary saying she's doing the right thing is not saying that Martha's doing the wrong thing, but he's clearly pointing that it begins in that place of presence. So how does this get practical in my life? One of the things I've done in the last year and a half is find a fantastic psychiatrist. I have someone that I meet with online about once a month, sometimes more, depending. 
And this psychiatrist I met for the first time this week. Did you hear what I said? I've been meeting with him for over a year. I met for the first time. Is that ever strange? He's really tall. <laughs> but in this time, we've come together where he's listening to me, teaching me, encouraging me in my understanding of who I am and how I am in the world. And when we got together this week for the first time, flesh to flesh, I had to say to him, you know that story, Mary and Martha, and what I love about him, and he doesn't judge what I do. In fact, he's a very good theologian. He said, yes, I know that story, and yes, I know Mary is chosen. Yes, I know that is the right choice Jesus makes. I said, are you kidding? And he simply said to me, John, since we've been beginning, You've been always on this journey for homeless, for about home, which he just sang about. For my entire life, I've felt homeless. Now I'm privileged. So when I say homeless, the sense of restlessness, not knowing where home is. Is it Ontario? Is it with my family? Is it with BC? Is it with my friends here? I'm stuck in Alberta for over 30 years, and I feel homeless. And in that conversation with him over time, he says to me, John, it's not about that place or that place, it's about this place. And then he looks at me and he goes like this with his hand over my body. The answer is inside you. He said, the only way you're going to get to that is if you become Mary. He said, the only way you're going to get to that is he did that with his hands. It's if you get still and as if you do rain, the study we did earlier in the year, and if you pay attention to yourself, you will find home in yourself wherever you are in the world. You see, for 62 years, I've been totally distracted from myself. I have been rushing and running. Do you remember a sermon not long ago? I told you I was a hummingbird. It's true. I have spent my life distracted with so many other things, trying to find the very one thing I desire, which is a sense of home. And that sense of home is presence. That sense of home is not about distraction. It's actually about contemplation and being aware of me. And he said to me at the end of the conversation, he said simply this, John, if you distract yourself, it'll be about an issue or an ideology or another place. But if you come to yourself, you'll discover home. And there you will be wherever you are. As Richard says, everything belongs. The other thing I need you to know is this is ADHD month. Did you know that? <laughs> Do you know that I discovered after being with my psychiatrist for over a year that he says you have ADHD? And I said, are you kidding me? How do you know that? He said, well, the first clue was I sent you an inventory four times and you never sent them back to me. I came back from the meeting with my staff and I said, guess what, the psychiatrist thinks I have ADHD and they all laughed. And I said, you're paying for that? We knew that. But it is ADHD month and in the CBC they've been talking to people realizing that for many years they've been diagnosing boys and missing ADHD in women because it presents differently. And often at the end, through COVID they have discovered more and more people have ADHD because they were suddenly shifted in a new place without boundaries, without order, without the familiarity. And that distraction became on fire. And so the ADHD that he has diagnosed me with is actually through some small medication has helped me become more centered, 
more grounded, more present, more attentive, not just to myself, but to others. And in that knowing, there's a sense of coming home, and I can see it almost. You know where I notice it most? In my sports. Sports is often in your head. And when you are paying attention in that place in sports, you know what it's like. And I've been in conversation and in moments this past month where I've been more aware and present than I have ever, ever been. I don't know if that's good or bad, me telling you that, but mental health affects everybody, including me. And I feel better knowing that about myself. So what about Jesus, you're saying? When you get on about Jesus, here's the thing. There was a story I told a number of years ago. It was uh, Grey Cup Sunday. Anna was out, and I was taking care of Charlotte. She was two. It was Grey Cup Sunday, the last weekend in November. I wanted to watch the Grey Cup. And I've got Charlotte, and I want to watch the game, so what do you got to do? Distract your kid, correct? So I had to put out a puzzle, and she played with that for a time. I got her some crayons, and she did that for a time while I watched the game. And then I, well, that wasn't working, and I saw in the corner a nativity set. All these pieces of olive wood that I was going to set out in a few weeks, and I thought, perfect. I laid it all out on the table, and she had all the pieces, and I thought, this is going to keep her busy forever. And then I looked down, and she was gone. And I looked, and I looked down the hall, and I see her running down with baby Jesus in her hand. And she turned a left into the bathroom, right over the toilet, about to flush baby Jesus down the toilet. And I yelled out, don't flush baby Jesus down the toilet. And I grabbed it out of her hand. So often we want to flush Jesus down the toilet. And we want to say, you got it wrong, Jesus. I'm spiritual, not religious. But the truth of the fact is that Jesus is the one, whether we like it or not, who invites us home. And I need the mystic Jesus, the prophetic Jesus that overturns table, the teacher Jesus, the humorous Jesus, the judge Jesus, the weeping Jesus, the compassionate Jesus. I need all of these windows and all of this that points to the larger window because I believe it is Jesus who draws us to his feet first in our being and then sends us out into the world to our doing. And for that, I am deeply grateful. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.